You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Hey, what's up, world? This is Brandon. And this is Alex. And we're filmmakers. And we're maybe not drinking bourbon today. Today is a special day. It is. What do you got? I got a little something. Listen, you can hear it slosh around here. Yeah. yeah, a little sloshy. Ooh, squeaky. Did you hear that? Did. What is that? Today, we are drinking a version of what I like to call chunga. 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 And what is chunga? Chunga, my friend, is the street hooch of Kenya. Yeah. And they used to be illegal, right? Yeah. And so. We told everybody, all the listeners, that we were going to dedicate the rest of this month to our least listened to, but still listened to countries. The bottom of the barrel, the if you will. bottom of the barrel. So the bottom yeah. three in our top 50 yep. were Qatar. Yep. Philippine. Or Qatar, Qatar, some say. Yeah, Qatar. Uh, Philippines. Philippines. And? Today. Kenya. Kenya. So Kenya, what, on record, we have, I think, two listens, and yeah. we thought, what better time to do an entire show on Kenya? Yeah, because we don't, everybody does the top lists, and yeah. we know, I mean, UK, US, right. Canada, we know all those things. Sure. So we wanted to learn something. We Absolutely. actually gave each other homework assignments. Yeah, so we, we jumped in. You, you've <laughs> yeah. got some assignments. I've got some assignment, yeah. assignments. I have a special surprise. Uh, yeah, I know. Don't, don't, I don't, don't. Well, even let's just, we'll go ahead and tease it out. All right. I was able to connect with Kennedy. Orono, I believe. Yeah. Uh, from the real Kenya. He's a blogger in Kenya. R E E L. Talking. Yeah. Yes. R E E L. Talking about filmmaking in Kenya. He is on the show today. That's awesome. Well, not necessarily today. It's taped because there's an eight-hour difference. But earlier yeah, today, a little, a little bit ahead. Earlier today, I recorded a Skype interview with him, and it's going to be awesome. Very cool. I'm and excited to hear that. We're going to hear all sorts of great things. Some award-winning films out of Kenya. There's something a lot done there that you may not know about. Some Absolutely. people you may not know about that and, are born there. And then yeah. after that, we're going to segue over to some award-winning films here in the States. We're exactly. going to talk about award season. Coming up on all the big ones. This is, it's going to be a great show. I'm excited. But before anyway, then, we got to drink some chinga. Pour, pour that up. So as I'm pouring it up, why don't you explain to people what this stuff is? Yeah. So traditional chunga, like he was saying, chunga in Kenya is a kind of a hooch moonshine mixture and when it was illegal, people used to add stuff to it, like lighter, or, uh, lighter fluid, jet fuel, jet fuel, battery acid, embalming fluid, embalming fluid. Um, and some people died, and some people went blind. <laughs> so yeah. they legalized it, and they put restrictions on it, um, and made it you know you could sell it in stores. Basically, yeah, it's probably not too different than good old Kentucky moonshine. Exactly, but it was just basically a mixture of fermented uh, grains. So the major, ours, the major difference being that instead of Fresh, clean limestone filtered water. Yeah, there's potentially had yeah. sewage, raw sewage, you know, which adds to the flavor. Exactly, just a little uh, character of Kenya for you. So, so anyway, ours as yeah. to this week, this month is bottom of the barrel. Brandon, you found the and by the way, of our barrels. By, by bottom of the barrel, we're talking about savoring the beauty exactly. at the bottom of the barrel. Not that it's no, no, no. It's just unwanted. that there's there's only a little bit there. There's only a little there. Yeah. That's so not, we're not don't saying take it as a it's negative. not derogatory okay. at all. No, Just no, making no. sure the listeners know that. Yeah. No, they should so, know that. Anyway, so I so, decided to make a little changa today. And you found the bottoms of our barrels. I did. Right. So here at Studio B at Sound Images, yep. we have a de facto liquor cabinet. Basically, we stole a cabinet from Sound Images. <laughs> and that's quite where a collection. we store all of our liquor. Yeah. And that's where we store our new liquor when it comes in from bourbon brands. Yep. And after a show, that's where we put the old bottles. And a lot of times, they only have half a pour left. Yeah, because we go through it. So what I did was I mixed up four or five different bourbons. You Some remember, are, you remember what you put in there? Let's just not. I don't want to. Okay. I, I don't want to talk about. That. All right. All right. Because you're not going to taste it anyway. There's a couple <laughs> that are at, that are nice bourbons at top of the food chain That'll, as far as cost, price, all that sort of they stuff. They offset the lower yeah. end. Yeah. Then there's some that are at the bottom that are, you know, more quick turn bourbons, you know. Potentially a plastic bottle. Yeah, plastic yeah. bottle bourbons. And I mixed them all in, um, uh-huh. threw in a couple dashes of bitters. Some embalming fluid. Threw in a little uh, jet fuel. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, this is 
not going to be quite as good as the bottled old fashioned from Watershed, and not quite as potent as traditional Changa. <laughs> but it's somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. <laughs> so cheers, buddy, there to a great cheers. show. I'm excited. All right, here we go. All Kenya right. to how's Kenya. This, how's it taste? Let's try it. It's not bad. That's not bad <laughs> at all, actually. Man. I might have something here. I, I think, might start uh, brewing this up and selling it out of the ooh, trunk of my car. Kentucky Changa. Kentucky Changa. Yep. Unbelievable. I think I think like you said, the higher end offsets the low end. So. Yeah, this is just great stuff. But anyway. Anyway, we in got the an spirit, exciting episode. In the spirit of Changa. Yes. Uh so Kenya, we find, is a beautiful place. Gorgeous. Um, but let's set the scene for the listeners, Alex. And, yeah. and you were the one that said, hey, I'll, ta- I'll tackle the history side of things. Let's set the scene. What is this mysterious country we call Kenya? Kenya. Kenya. Close your eyes, if you will, and imagine <laughs> a savanna. <laughs> I think it goes, hi, Kenya. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's got a population of 45 million right now. <laughs> That's nice. a boring fact. Uh, but really, okay, so the name, Kenya. Why don't we start with the name? Yeah. What's it mean? What's in a name? What's in a name? Uh, it comes from their mountain, Mount Kenya. Nice. But it used to be called uh, Mount Kirinyaga. But the British settlers that come came couldn't pronounce it properly, uh, so they called it Kenya. The Brits. Pretty boring, Us right? white, The white people ruined everything. Yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, pretty diverse as far as, like, cultures and races and stuff. So it was originally um, settled by the Portuguese. Huh. Yeah. And they ruled it for about 200 years. Them and the Spaniards, man. They did everything. They, they were everywhere. They were everywhere. It was actually Vasco da Gama. Really? Yeah. Nice. So he, he found it. He set up these, like, coastal towns and ruled the place for about 200 years until they kicked him out. Okay, so just not just, him. He wasn't alive. Sure, for 200 years, but for but, people who don't know yeah. the country that well, you've got the continent of Africa. Are we on the east or west side? East side. Yeah. Okay, so we're on the east side, yep. and it does touch the coast. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So they got oceans. And, yeah, and beautiful. It's, beaches. it's really close to uh, the Middle East, basically. So that's why you have this Arabian influence. Um, you know, you have the Portuguese, and then originally you're eventually settled by the British. Arabian exactly. That's that's what I was thinking. So anyway, <laughs> settlers from uh, Portugal, Arabia, Roman Empire, India, and Greece. So lots of different influences. All right. So there's Crazy. there's an influx of people. Everyone's fighting yes. over who's going to take this. Yeah. At what point? This is in the we, 1400s. At by what the way. point yeah. do we? Sh- what's the first major shift of power? Uh, is the Portuguese? So they're the major settlers in okay. 1498. And and by uh, settlers we mean they invaded the land. Basically, well, not really. I mean, I mean, they, they were natives, right? Yeah, and so they they uh, contacted the ruler of Malindi, which sure. is a coastal town. It's actually on our list of filming locations. But contacted this dude. Uh, they kind of set up this coastal trade agreement rulership deal. Sure. Um, and then they kind of took over. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's like because like the Maasai are like a nomadic yeah. people in Kenya, right? Exactly. So yeah. there was like there was clearly native. Well, yeah, the first people to actually settle Kenya were from other African nations. Right. Right. So it was just this beautiful, barren area. Continent. Yeah. Well, no, Kenya's not a continent. Well, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, all these other people from various places in Africa traveled to Kenya, and then it was taken over by Europeans. Yeah. Like every other place in the world. Right. Um, All right. So the British come in in 1884. Okay. Because of this thing called the Berlin Conference, which divvied up African nations to competing European yeah. countries. Crazy. Damn it. Right? So British got Kenya, basically, and set up the Imperial British East Africa Company. Africa Company. All right. Really? And so they te- set up a protectorate. Um, so they it was okay for a while. So I mean, it was, things were... Yeah. Slavery and yeah. racial discrimination. Yeah, horrible things. And- <laughs> So let's fast forward to when does when does Kenya become Kenya? When does it be- get its independence? So 1920s. All right. Protests start happening. People yeah. start saying, "Hey, this is kind of bullcrap. This yeah. is our country." Yeah. You know, we want this back. And in 1944, they formed the Kenya African Union. Nice. Okay. Uh, they 1952. The British dude, the governor of the of the state of Kenya, basically declared a state of emergency. And in 1957, uh, African, the African people, Kenyan people, elected 
African leaders to uh, their like legislature, basically. Okay. So is this is that at which point they were declared independent? Independent. Yeah, they are now the, the country of Kenya. So it's a pretty young country. Yeah, 1950s, right? I yeah. mean, that's yeah, that's exactly. like in the heyday of bebop and Miles Davis and Coltrane and yeah. Wow. I mean, 1952, uh, Sir Everlyn Baring was the governor from Britain, from, huh. uh, yeah, British governor. Well, that's interesting. Pretty crazy, right? All right. So you they get, never know that. They get their independence. Yeah. Um, the, the, the country starts to establish, I assume, cities or centers of, of uh, it's where, had where things yeah. are happening. For sure, metropolitan centers. So what are those, as those places grow and become you know thriving, what, what are we talking about? you got Nairobi, right? Nairobi's the big one. Is that yeah. the jam? That's so that's the... the jam now. That's the big metropolitan. Okay. When you think of a city, any traditional city, city. with sports stadiums, with shopping centers, yeah. skyscrapers, all that stuff, the skyscrapers, that's Nairobi. So there's about three million people there right now. But is there what makes Nairobi unique? What's is there something about it that no other city really has? What is that? That's funny that you bring that up uh, because Kenya's known not Kenya but Africa is known for their wild animals. Right? Sure, they've got right? all the cool animals. Yeah, and Nairobi is actually the only city in the world that hosts a national park, national reserve. So not a zoo, not a zoo, like, like a an massive landmass. Yes, with wild giraffes running around that can't be hunted, poached, touched. At all. That's awesome. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's not just like Disney's Wild Kingdom. No. It's a it's an actual <laughs> wild kingdom. <laughs> it's the actual right next real wild to kingdom. a city center. That's really cool. How big yeah. is Nairobi? Do you know? That's a three million people. Three million. So it's yeah. it's we're talking Sizable. major city. Sizable, yeah. And the entire country of Kenya. I mean, talk about all this open space and stuff yeah. and tribal communities. There's forty five million in all of Kenya, but three million of those are centered right in Nairobi. Wow. Pretty cool. Are there any other big cities? Or? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty. There's, uh, let's get to our cities here. As you can see, as you can hear, I've got quite a few papers. Uh, there's Nakuru, Eldoret, Kiriko, Naivasha, Nairobi, and then you've got coastal cities like Lamu, Malindi, which if you remember is where yeah. the Portuguese settled, Kilifi, and then Watamu. So, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be yeah. honest. I didn't really none of the other cities really rang a bell. They don't. Nairobi, no. I knew. Malindi, you you kind of yeah, hear that. Kinda, yeah, that yeah, the coastal sounds, city. Yeah, but Nairobi's the big one. Okay, uh, and when you think of that, that's where you know it all goes on. That's so where that's so, the capital of Kenya. Yeah. So when you yeah. get outside of the city, um, clearly you've got like sort of the grasslands and like where the like the wild animals roam. Yeah. What, what else does this country look like? What kind of landscape? If it's, I was going to go there to film, to film, what yeah. type of location? Your location do I scout. Got? You can do a lot. I mean, there's so yeah. You've got the savannas, the grasslands, the hills, but you've also got lava flows. You've got craters, inactive volcanoes. You've got uh, snowy peaks, mountaintops with glaciers, and you've got different varying forests, rainforest, and you know traditional forests. So it's it's pretty cool. You can pretty much film a lot of stuff there. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, in the other thing that's really cool is Kenya has a film commission. It's called, uh, you can go to kenyafilmcommission.com. Yeah. Um, they've got a whole staff. They're mm-hmm. trying to promote films and things coming yeah. in and out of Kenya. They're really trying to- Established in 2006. Take a hold yeah. of the film industry. Yeah. But basically, I mean, so you may not have heard a lot of films from Kenya, right? Yeah, what? Because, well, I mean, when you look at the history, this a brand, it's a very new country. Yeah, it's only been around since 1950. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very new. So you can assume that uh, they that wasn't their main priority of right. making film. They've actually been trying to get off, off the ground. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to do other stuff. Yeah. So, But despite that, like you described, yeah. locations, there have been a bunch of foreign films that have come there to shoot. So, are there, I mean, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is Out of Africa. Yeah. With, that's uh, a classic Redford, Robert Meryl Redford. Street, yeah. Directed by Sidney Pollack. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so that's kind of like a big major one. Clearly, that was that was there. Yeah. What are some other things? Give us give us a rundown of some films, actors, actresses. What sure. are we looking at? So, uh, in terms of full films shot in Kenya, very very few. Out of Africa, I think maybe is the only one, um, which I think actually had portions filmed in other countries as well. But uh, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. So uh, Angelina Jolie. Uh, you know that one, right? Yeah, 2003. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that uh, film portion's there. Um, let's see, a film called Cry Freedom, Denzel Washington, 1987. Denzel just got the uh, Sydney, Sydney Poitier, the 
the Sydney, the Pollock. What he got oh, something? Yeah. He got the I don't remember at the Golden Globes. He got the big oh, award for being it. like the like the best guy. Ah, nice for yeah. a, like history of excellence in film or something. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, only portions of Cry Freedom were shot in Kenya, and they were shot on the coastal, the beach scenes. Okay. Uh, Born to Be Wild. It's forty minute documentary, two thousand eleven, narrated by Morgan Freeman. Was shot there. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a nature doc. Yeah, it in part talks about the conservation of animals and Kenyan elephants in particular. Did you mention the Constant Gardener? Constant Gardener. I was just going to get there. It's 2005 with Rafe Fines and Rachel Weiss. Uh, yeah, that was shot there. Yeah. Portions of that were shot there. Um, and then also you had Survivor. So 2001. I think the, they like said the, the sequel to the third season. The was TV shot. show. Yes. So as in. Gaming. This you is know. your last. What do they call that? The final. What do you get when you get? They put the fire out. Uh, you you're fired. No, they put a fire. Oh. The thing, and they're like, you are now. A Trump comes out and says, you you're must fired. now. You must now leave the island uh, or something yeah, like. You that. must now battle. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Either way, Survivor uh, was shot there, huh. and that was kind of cool. That's cool. But yeah, that's really it as far as like movies. Uh, so the so what you're saying? I mean, there's opportunities there. Oh, ridiculous. Now, the the thing that I couldn't really see too much of, and this is, might be why not as many films shoot there, they don't seem to have a massive infrastructure for film. No. Not a lot of sound stages, not a, uh-huh. you know, ton of, you know, uh crew, mm-hmm. um experienced crew, gear, etc. Yeah. There's some some issues there. Well, the the film commission was only founded less than 10 years ago. Yeah, so they're just so, getting up and running. Yeah. But um, I mean, I'm sure they're going to be start bringing in more and Potentially creating films of their own, which I'm sure your guest will talk about. Yeah. Right. Uh, but what about actors and actresses? Right? Um, I'm sure you know one name. Lupita. Lupita Nyongo, right? She's so pretty. What's funny, yes, she's Kenyan, but she was born in Mexico. Huh. Right? Didn't know that. Didn't know that. Yeah, but she went back, uh, <laughs> was raised in Kenya, and she starred in 12 Years a Slave, Force Awakens, and The Jungle Book. Huh. Another dude is. Kieran Shaw, he's four foot one inch tall. Little guy. Little guy. Yeah, he's a great actor though. He's uh, been in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Return of the Jedi, nice. Harry Potter. I think he played a goblin. Sweet. Chronicles of Narnia, The Hobbit, and Force Awakens. So anytime that there's room for a smaller actor, he's there. He's he's one of the call. He's like yeah. the first call. Yeah, he's he's very well thought of. Um, then great. there are a few other people, but really what I found, which is kind of interesting, is not an actor at all. Uh, casting director, Susan Figgis, uh, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, she's got over 100 credits as casting director, including wow. Harry Potter, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Sleepy Hollow, Alice in Wonderland, and the new uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Wow. So, pretty cool. Yeah, she's Eng- English right. now, but she was born in Kenya. That's cool. Yeah. Well, pretty one, sweet. One of the things that we'll find in um, in the interview I had with Kennedy was... Uh, this idea that in Kenya they don't have a star culture, a star yeah. obsessed culture. They don't look to their stars. So when I brought up uh, Lupita, it was interesting what he says. So stick huh. around for that interview. I'm excited to hear what he says. Do you like that a little I teaser, do. A little in show teaser? Interesting. Here's something I'll throw out. About. So if you're if you want to film there, if you if you're you're listening to the show and you're like, man, I want to film in Kenya. Yeah, I've got a short. Yeah. Let's shoot it in Kenya. I wonder when the best time to film would be. Should I go during the wintertime or the summertime? Isn't it always summer? Well, so yeah, our winter now is kind of their summer, which the highs are in like, you know, 78, 80. Yeah. Their, our summer is their winter when the lows are only like 50s, mid 50s. So it's, it's awesome. Pretty you know, temperate. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty good all the year o- round. The only time you're getting snow is up in the mountains, up in Mount the mountains. Kenya, Mount yeah. Kiranyaga, if you will. Yeah, let's keep it real. <laughs> so yeah, but so it does rain a lot. I will say that. Yeah, they do. They have like monsoon type. Uh, it, at times or? it can be really heavy, but it depends on where you go. In Nairobi, it's not that bad. Sure, I think in you know you'll get eight eight inches in their heaviest month. Now I think I read. Am I correct? In Kenya, and I'm not sure what region. Do, don't they have the uh, the migration of the wildebeest? Yeah, and so in that migration, yeah. it's funny you know that. Uh, over two, I'll, I won't even say how many actually migrate, but over 250,000 die in the migration every year. That's crazy. That's just deaths. There's million, it's like 50 million wildebeest or something. Maybe the most yeah. impactful movie scene of my young life came in the form of the wildebeest migration. In the Lion King. Lion King. Yeah. 
Simba. Simba, man. He he loses Mufasa. Yeah. Dad. That was an intense Dad. scene. Yeah, I get teary-eyed just intense thinking about scene, it. Intense scene, man. Yeah. Now, especially as a father, like, that's, you know. Whew. I know. But he, 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 he died for his son, man. He was there. He, like, he bam, did. He, he kept him safe. He did. You know, it's Scar. I hate that guy. <laughs> what a guy. Great villain. That's funny. Anyway. Speaking, speaking of villains, though, just yeah. to tease later in the show, later in the show, we're going to be breaking down oh. Hateful Eight and The Revenant. Yes. And- one of the best villains of all time. Not too different than Scar yes. is Tom Hardy's character, Fitzgerald. Fantastic. Wow. We can't get into that right no, now. No, we're not. Anyway, we're that's, not that's, for, that's coming in. Anyway, I think that might be. Do you have any questions? Do you, anything you want to know about Kenya? Because um, I can tell you. <laughs> is there anything, that, is there anything that popped out that was kind of like an outlier? Like, wow, that's really, like, I expected the wildlife and giraffes, but I did not expect blank. I think the only thing I didn't really expect was how young of a country hmm. Kenya is. I mean, honestly. Yeah, that is interesting. It, it was really, really odd. Uh, and but no. isn't in uh, our our uh, our main man uh, Barack Barack Obama's got some Kenyan roots, right? I think so. Yeah, he's born there, right? No, stop <laughs> it! Stop it! Do not Trumpify this show. Oh, I'm kidding. Anyway, we yeah, love yeah, all man. political stances on this show. I do. Love our, um, love our sitting president. Yeah. So anyway, um, um, here, here's something that I that yeah. I that I did I already talk about the whiskeys of Kenya. Uh, you didn't, but go ahead. So yeah. we're drinking chunga, but well, we're drinking boom. modified. It's our chunga. Chunga. It's yeah. FDB chunga. Yeah. But uh, in addition to the the hooch mm-hmm. chunga that's that's drunk all over the country in Kenya. Yeah. Um, they do make whiskey. There's a couple. They do right? make There's whiskey. two main ones. I was not able to get a hold of a distributor here locally to get a hold of it, but they have um, one called Bond Seven. Yeah, um, and then another one called Hunter's Choice. Exactly. So um, I think and it's I t- whiskey. Yeah, I think I tweeted at them from uh, the FDB account. Yeah, because earlier this week, since it's outside the U.S., it cannot be classified as bourbon. No, no, you would never have Kenyan bourbon, but yeah. you could have whiskey for sure. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so that's kind of cool. You also mentioned something interesting about a pretty popular uh, American bourbon that could potentially be over there. Yeah, correct? I did find on the internet that uh, Diageo Distributors, who they, they distribute uh, Bullet um, bourbon, yeah. uh, Kentucky Frontier bourbon, uh, they have a stronghold in Kenya, and I believe they are going to start distributing Bullet bourbon in Kenya. A stronghold, like a big fortress. Well, I don't like know a about protected a fortress, fortress, but yeah, they have like they do a lot of business there. So like with uh, castle walls. So and... if you're listening, uh, if you're one of our Kenyan listeners, one of two, uh, maybe three, <laughs> now that we have Kennedy on the show, yeah, uh, try to get a hold of the Kentucky Bullet. It's really good bourbon, and I think you'll like it. Exactly, frontier whiskey. Yeah, and uh, at, but who knows? By this time, by the time people hear the show. Uh, you know, a week, two weeks from now, we could have hundreds of listeners. You never know. We'll see what the metrics yeah. tell us. I'm excited to continue learning more about Kenya. Yeah. What I want to hear is your dude. Oh, man. Because there, So we know yeah. now about the history, like why yep. Kenya is so interesting, the v- diversity of influences from other countries, how it got to here. Yeah. And it just started producing films. I want to hear what's going on now. Yeah, well, I I had an opportunity. I I did some, my research as well. and was looking around and found a couple things. Um, one, uh, well, some of them we I hint on with with my interview. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll let the interview do the talking and um and we'll kind of you know pick up anything that's not in there. But basically, uh, I found there's a blog called The Real Kenya R E E L Kenya, and it's a guy who's like, hey, I, I love film, I love Kenya, I'm going to advocate for my country and the filmmaking that's happening here, and so he's blogging about it, and so he's got great posts on there, and he, it's a great resource for all things Kenya and filmmaking. His name is Kennedy Amaro, Nice. Um, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at, I believe, um, at Ken O'Maro, K-E-N-O-M-O-R-O. Uh, filmmaker, hashtag Team Kenya. Nice. Uh, let's see if we can get the hashtag get Team Kenya team to trend a little better. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, so all of our listeners, make sure uh, you, you put out a tweet, hey, listening to at FDB Podcast episode Team Kenya. Let's mm-hmm. see what happens. 
Um, so I reached out to him and said, hey, could you uh, hook up for an interview? And uh, because of an eight-hour time difference, he couldn't make it into the studio. Yeah, or even call in. Or even patch in. <laughs> but he was available uh, for Skype. After a certain hour, I don't think he could get online. So hmm. I was able to Skype with him earlier today. And I had a great interview. So um, you want to hear it? I want to hear it. All right, awesome. So uh, we'll get Dave to uh, throw it to the interview, and uh, let's see what he has to say. So, Kennedy, we're doing a whole show about Kenya filmmakers. Wow, wow. <laughs> That's great. So the thing that, um, that I want to know is tell me a little bit from, uh, about who you are. What is this film blog uh, that you run, and why does it matter that Kenya is making films? Uh, uh, I am a writer for uh, The Real Kenya. It's a film criticism uh, blog. So, but it's so difficult here since uh, you want to criticize films that people can see, but we don't have a culture of, uh, of a theatrical release for our films. So it's so difficult to find a Kenyan film where you can write and people can go watch because you can write about a film and then people start asking you, so where, where, where can I watch that? Where can I watch that? And they can't find it. So you find that we release about two films a year theatrically in Kenya. And then the rest of the year, you have to really find for something, look for something to write. <laughs> yeah. So it's really important because I'm trying to connect filmmakers and, and viewers and try to just to bridge uh, the communication there. So viewers can know that there's this film around and filmmakers can get feedback about their films. That's why it's important for me to keep blogging about it. That's great. Now, when I did uh, some initial research, one of the things that really popped out was what's called the Riverwood Film District or the film uh -huh. movement where it's kind of like Kenya's version of maybe Bollywood or Nollywood. Talk about the Riverwood films. Okay, the Riverwood, the Riverwood film came about as uh, some filmmakers in a, in, a, in a street called River Road in Nairobi. They started making uh, films more like by trial and error, because they, there were no formal film schools uh, about 30 years ago, so they just took a camera and started shooting uh, very cheap films in vernacular languages and stuff like that. So uh, over time it grew, it grew really big, very big, uh, for, but for the, the elite Kenyans, the, the ones who say they have gone to school, they don't want to associate with themselves with the, with the Riverwood. Even the elite filmmakers who've been to film school, they don't want to associate with, with Riverwood because they, they, they are seen as low class and, uh, very cheap productions and very low quality. So it's bigger than they, they make more money than the elite filmmakers, but the filmmakers don't want to associate with the, with the Riverwood. Right, yeah. but as you know, as as any anything you do in life where you practice, 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 you'll you'll end up getting better. So it seems like the movement of filmmakers in the Riverwood scene is only going to get better. Correct? Yeah, it's going to get better because now we have film schools. We didn't have film schools before until seven years ago, and still, since the introduction of that, things have been improving a lot. Because now, uh, before that, uh, for the Riverwood. Only old people used to make films, like over 40. Right. Like they've been doing it for so long. It, it was not, it was unheard of to see a young person making a film. But now, since uh, there are film schools, young people are in. And since they are trending and stuff like that, they are making good stuff. Now, now we are winning awards. As far as uh, being able to make films, so Nairobi is a, is a big, thriving city, correct? Yeah. So... Um, what kind of access do people have to cameras and gear? Is it affordable? Is it accessible? Talk a little bit about the tools of filmmaking. Uh, we have uh, a sector called Jiwakali, which means uh, it's an informal manufacturing industry. But the guys are so creative they are in creating rigs, uh, like dollies and cranes. Uh, so those things are cheaper. But the cameras really, the government is really trying it has zero-rated uh, film film equipment for the for editing the IMAX, the cameras. The government uh, two years ago zero-rated tax on on those equipment to make it cheaper, so that uh, the industry, the film industry, can provide employment for people. So the prices of the cameras are really competitive and affordable. People are buying, uh, especially now DSLRs. People have them. People are making a lot of films. That's great, and uh, yeah. so. 
one of the things you talked about was schools. I know that there was a director in the United uh, from Germany, United States, Tom Twerker. He did Run Lola Run, and um, he did uh, Princess and the Warrior. He did Cloud Atlas. Yeah. He started yeah. a foundation in Nairobi, which spawned the film Nairobi Half Life. Can you talk yeah. about uh, that director and that project, and is that continuing to evolve? Yeah, yeah. Nairobi Half Life was done under the one the one fine day, and uh, in conjunction with Jija Inc. and DW, and it was it was big for Kenya. It was I can say the most successful uh, Kenyan film so far. The only one that has ever been submitted to the Oscars, even if he didn't make it, uh, and it was it was bold. It, it was it was bold. It tackled the, the themes in, in Nairobi, and it was the, everybody talked about it. We had never seen such a, a hello baloo about a film before because we the culture of the film going culture is still very poor in Kenya. But Nairobi have like forced people to go to the cinemas now to watch it. So it was big. It was a game changer for Kenya, and they have done about three films after that. There was Veve, and there was uh, something necessary, very high quality films. And Veve, I think, won uh, uh, an award at the recent uh, oh in July for the, at the Durban International Film Festival. So and, they, and now they are they are on something else right now. Yeah, I saw the the Veve came out. The problem here in the United States is that uh, we can't get distribution. So I really want to watch Nairobi Half-Life, but I can't find it anywhere online. I can't find it on the torrents. It's not streaming on Netflix or any of those. Do you know how we, the listeners of our podcast could watch Nairobi Half-Life? Where can we get it? You can't get it. <laughs> in Kenya... When a film is done, mostly, Nairobi have like really tight. They sell DVDs. In, in a Kenyan supermarket, you will find the DVDs. But uh, for people abroad, it is so different. Maybe in Germany, because they also said they also sold in Germany. But I'll, really, somewhere else is so difficult. Even other Kenyan films are worse, because people do them, and then they don't distribute. Mostly, like, you find people doing them for awards only. So they do film, they submit it to film festivals and stuff like that. But locally, just shared. You can never watch them, so it is even difficult. Even for the film schools, it's so difficult because people do films and then just shelve them. Sure. Yeah. But okay, for well, the Ruby Half Life, you can buy a DVD, but I don't know how you can get it uh, in the US. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe <laughs> keep your eyes open, and maybe you can help us get a get a get a, uh, a hold of some of the the good stuff that Kenya's putting out, right? Maybe, maybe I can mail you a movie. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing that um, I wanted to ask you about is a little bit about the um, as far as where do you think the future of film is going in Kenya and what types of films do you think need to be made? What are the stories that need to be told out of Kenya? Uh, right now, uh, according to the trend I'm seeing, so because it's young people and they are just coming out of school, uh, they stick to low budget and short films, mostly short films. There was a, a very successful uh, film, short film festival just completed the other day, sponsored by one of the county governments. It was the quality was really really impressive. You can go to YouTube and watch a matcha wood. It's called matcha wood. This is a place called Machakos now because you need to add the wood. It became much wood for that county. Yeah, the films, the top ten are, are, are posted in YouTube. You can go watch the ten. So that is the ten right now. People are just doing like short, short films and and stuff like that. But for the future, did you I say think, real quick for our listeners? Can you spell that? Is it matcha wood? Matcha, yeah, matcha wood like M A C H A wood. Okay, great. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I saw one of the one of the short films I saw that was great was uh, Pumi. P U M I. Did Pumzi? Did you see that? Oh, Pumzi by Wanuri. Wanuri is like the one of the top film directors from Kenya. Yeah, but yeah, he yeah. So Pumzi was uh, okay. We can say it was our first uh, sci-fi ever because and there's no other one that has ever been done. Uh, Wanuri is so big. Yes, she has done films like uh, From a Whisper, which was it tackled terrorism there in the nineteen ninety eight bombing by Al Qaeda in Nairobi, and she she does a lot of work all over the world. Yeah, so 
that was a game changer also for us, and it put us, it put us on the map. And uh, Wanuri, like she like she likes to say, uh, she wants to motivate young people to come up, but she can't she can't find enough uh, brave uh, filmmakers in Kenya because uh, of the politics involved. Sometimes, like for for example, when she was doing uh, for a whisper, she had to have like armed bodyguards because she was threatened. And recently, when she was doing a TV series about like state house, state house is like the Kenyan White House. Yeah. When she was doing a series, like uh, they were forbidden to to mention the the, uh, the like the name of politicians or stuff. They have to they had to hide so many things that it 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 just didn't look realistic because uh, the audience the, the media was like uh, comparing each character to a certain politician, each character to a certain politician, and that was meant. Uh, people saw that it would create like divisions in the country. So right. like. It, it was a really fragile area, and the government is really cautious about it. Yeah. yeah. That's that's interesting. Now, as far as uh, some of your all's big stars, um, who, who uh, is it, N- Napita from 12 Years a Slave? She's from Kenya, right? Yeah. Is she a, is she a big star there, and, and do people look up to her and what she's doing in Hollywood? Uh, she's not as big here as she is in Hollywood. We don't have a star culture here. <laughs> we don't. We don't really. Uh, the actors are not very big in Kenya. Like, we, like we, you can comp- like when you compare with uh, like musicians or or sports stars. The actors really. They, they are also talking about about building a star culture, having all that glamour and the glitz in the in the in that profession. But in Kenya, it, no. Before she hit in Hollywood, uh, she was just another person here, and then she she won an Oscar, and everybody was like, "Ah, oh, Peter won an Oscar." So we were proud, but it was not as big as uh, it, even though she's a Kenyan, it was not as big as it was in the U.S. She is not appreciated here as she is appreciated in the U.S., which is very weird. <laughs> yeah, well, I think she's she's a great actress and she's beautiful and. Um... And I think that, uh, you know, you guys should be proud to have her there. So talk a little bit about that, the difference in culture. So so when you say you don't have a star culture, um, you know, most films are driven by having a star on the show. So how can you guys, how do you see film progressing if people don't really cling to a star culture? Uh, there's this trend in Kenya where uh, most actors uh, – since we don't do films, let's say it's just a TV series, somebody uh, becomes a hit in a TV series such that they that the, the name of the character is the one they that they like they use them them you know, on the social media and stuff like that. So your name is swallowed under the name of the character that you played since you are so good in it and you just stick to that. So people are they, people can identify with characters but not the actors. Themselves. The actors are, are, are not like big, so character-driven films in Kenya are not because the, when the director sees that you are so good and people call you this name by the name that's used in a character, they are afraid to, to put you in their film because the people will say that's so and so, and okay, it so should not be your name. Like, so they're they're more focused on the story and the and the character versus the actor. Yeah, versus the actor. It's like now, if you're so big in a TV series, now you're going to so to spoil the movie. So you, and get, you so, get so you get typecasted. Yeah, you get typecasted. And since now uh, we are not so big on the star culture, we can't say that there's a film that is you can have an actor that can push a film in Kenya. No, it, that is, it, that can't happen. Well, it that's can't. great. It's so it's so difficult here. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's it's so great to hear the your insight and what's going on there. And um, I, you know, we're running out of time here a little bit, but I, I got a couple last questions for you. Part uh-huh. of our our podcast also incorporates uh, bourbon whiskey. Uh-huh. Now, do you guys in Kenya drink whiskey? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What are the what are the whiskey brands that you guys typically go for? Oh, I don't drink, so I'm very poor in that area. But uh, 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 I can 
I, I, I missed that. I think it, we broke up. Well, so what were you saying? If, if, if somebody goes to order a whiskey, what do they, uh-huh. typically do they have access to? Like Johnny Walker? Uh... No, okay. The drinks here are popular with Johnny Walker and Jamison and uh, the Smanoff and stuff. Yeah, those, uh, those three are very popular. Have you ever heard of uh, Bond 7? That has been here for years. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, it used to come in sachets. Okay. But now, but the government upload the sachets because they were so affordable for the kids, so they now come in big bottles. What about the um? What about Hunter's Choice? It's yeah, we have it here. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we uh, you know, we we like to enjoy our bourbon and talk about filmmaking, and um, and so I thought I'd see the other thing we looked up that we saw uh, kind of a traditional. Drink in Kenya is Chang. <laughs> it's called Changa. <laughs> changa. <laughs> yeah. What it's is a tradition. what is Changa? Is it like a is it like a hooch? Uh, it's like uh, a spirit, but it is made like without regulation. It is a really informal uh, form of distilling done in dirty drums and stuff like that. The government has been really fighting the, the Changa brewers, but they can't win. It's so difficult to win it because they can do it anywhere. Have you, but have, it have is you ever, so strong. Have you ever tasted it? No, I what, haven't, but I, what, but I grew up in a place where they made lots and lots and lots. <laughs> so are you currently in Nairobi? Yeah, I'm in Nairobi. Okay, great. Well, I'll tell you what, man. You have been great, Kennedy. We we really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to follow your blog. Are you on Twitter? At uh, Ken Omoro. At Ken Omoro. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm going to make sure I get your handle. Uh, send me a message here. Uh, shoot me an email with your info. We'll get it posted. We're going to get you some more readers on your blog. We want to connect the world to Kenya. And we appreciate uh, everybody there who's checked out the podcast and we'd love for you to be able to share the Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon podcast with the whole country of Kenya, the city of Nairobi. Yeah. And who yeah. knows, man? I think this is going to be a, a beautiful thing to see how filmmakers in Kenya develop over the coming years. Thank you so much. Cheers, man. Uh, cheers. Dude, what do you think? That's I can't believe you got a hold of him and then he was able to spill all the beans he's such a cool dude man he was like pushing for for film in kenya yeah we did a video uh chat so i got to see him and kind of meet him and yeah nice guy nice guy guy. young guy nice guy i mean he's super active on twitter he's got like over a thousand followers he's he's an active community member um very cool and he just had he had some great insight i think one of the things that i thought that i find really interesting is what he had to say about uh the riverwood district this yeah this sort of emerging uh, Nollywood, Bollywood situation going on in Kenya. Exactly. And so what, you know, just like you said in the interview, uh, essentially it just kind of happened, right? And, uh-huh. you know, access to, you know, DSLRs and cameras, and that sort of thing, and people wanted to start telling their stories. And so they just started making these movies, and they're cranking them easier. out in like, yeah. you know, like uh, they'll make a whole movie in one day. They'll make yeah. a whole movie in, you know, over a weekend and, and they're just pushing these things out and selling mm-hmm. them on VCDs and DVDs. Um, and they're telling the traditional, you know, stories and folk tales of the country and the people. And, and um, it's actually pretty popular. Exactly. So I the more ass- they do that, the more the quality is going to improve, the more the exactly. infrastructure is going to build up exactly. and we're going to start getting like bigger and bigger films. Yeah. You know? I mean, at one time when the whole Bollywood scene started, it wasn't, you know, $40 million budgets no. over the top, but now it's crazy banging it's a huge industry yeah so there's no reason that couldn't continue to develop in kenya especially with such a young country they've got such a you know they've got a lot to build on well and one of the things they that they have to build on i should say yeah one of the things that they're they have to build on is you know there's people in investing in in their filmmaking scene so one of which is um that we we talked about in the interview was uh tom twyker who did run lola run Yep. Princess and the Warrior. He did Cloud Atlas. Uh-huh. He's got a new film um, coming out. I have to, you have to IMDb it, but he's got a new yeah. film in production right now that looks pretty cool. Um, but he started a uh, or was a part of a group who started an organization called One Fine Day. Yep. And so that was the the you know in the interview with Kennedy we mentioned the film Nairobi Half Life. Exactly. That yeah. film was spawned out of. One Fine Day, and they produced a director, David Tosh Gitong, mm-hmm. um, and he 
was the director of Nairobi Half-Life, uh, Twerker, Twiker. How do you say it? Twerker? Twiker. Twiker. Yep. Twiker was, um, he was the supervising director. And that gave him a lot of acclaim. That was actually, I think, nominated for, by the Academy for Best Foreign Film. Or exactly. I think it won. It, I think it film. did win. Yeah. So that was huge for them. And because of that, they're, they're continuing to, to pump out films. So the next film, I think, out of One Fine Day is called Vive, V-E-V-E, Ooh. by director uh, Simon Mukali. M U K A L I. Uh-huh. So these are, you know, emerging directors that are now being given opportunities in film schools and organizations who are investing in what's going on there. Um, there was a short film that got a lot of accolades, won some festivals. It was called Pumzi. P U M Z I. Uh-huh. Uh, it means breath. And the director is a female director. Her name is Wanura Kaua. W-A-N-U-R-I-K-A-H-I-U. And I was actually excited. I went and found it. It's on Vimeo. It's about 22 minutes long. And it's uh, Kenya's first sci-fi film. Really? Yeah, and it's actually pretty well done. It's actually pretty well done. It's not, I mean, you can tell some stuff's green screen or whatever, but it's not, it's it's actually pretty good. And um, it's, it's, um, you know, it's like kind of a minority report sort of thing. It's like, um, you know, the world's out of water. She's living underground with with this, you know, sort of dystopian society that's uh-huh. like rather advanced. But they're not allowed to leave underground because if they go up, it's too dangerous because, you know, the world is dead sort of thing. Yep. It's it's worth watching. So check it out. It's called Pumzi, and Pumzi. it's from an emerging director um, out of Kenya. Interesting. Is it in the English language? Is it subtitled? It is English. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It's all basically like she doesn't actually talk. It's like her thoughts, so it's ah. voiceover. Um, so it's actually it's really cool. That and really um, cool. yeah. Then if you're wanting to see Nairobi Half Life, you're it's gonna a tough have one to find. Yeah, you're gonna have to dig deep on the internet, um, yep. which I did and I could not find it even on a torrent. Not that I advocate such uh uh-uh. such things, but um, you know, it's like it's like trying to get a hold of Changa. Like it's it's tough. Yeah. yeah. So the distribution right now with a lot of these films coming out of Kenya are not, you know, the best. But hopefully we'll see it pop up on Netflix or whatnot. It got great awards. Um, you can, I think, buy the DVD maybe through Germany or something like that. Yeah, you can um, find it somewhere, you, but, but you do have to purchase. Yeah, you're it. You're gonna have to. Yet. You're gonna have to search. Yeah, there's no rental options yeah. available. It's not streaming. I mean, the one copy that was up on YouTube has got gotten taken down yeah. for copyright infringement. Obviously, sure. But um, it's but, funny. But what, I'll tell you what is on YouTube. Yeah. All of the Riverwood films. Yeah, yeah. The sh- so if really you go, there's an actual ones. channel on YouTube called Riverwood Kenya. Um, check that out. Again, it's not going to be high production value, no. but it's going to give you a sense of what is happening right now in the film industry in Kenya, which is it's really cool. I think oh, there's a lot of people jumping into it, and who knows where, where we're going to be 10 years from now. I think it could be really interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, you put more equipment and more capabilities in these young filmmakers' hands, and you never know what'll come out. Absolutely, it's creativity everywhere, yeah. Brandon. Well, and the <laughs> thing, you know, we talked about, you know, some of the the awards that Nairobi Half Life got. Yeah. That that for me transitions into award season. It does and um, we're gonna put all the links up from from our Kenya talk and what's uh-huh. going on there. And if you know anything about what's happening in Kenya, we'd love to know. We'd love to hear. We'd love to follow you on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at fdbpodcast.com mm-hmm. or Instagram. Where's that? Uh, the Instagram. Instagram is fdbpodcast. Oh, it's yeah. at fdbpodcast. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. It's pretty simple. Uh, one thing before we moved on that I did want to bring up is that the DP on Nairobi Half-Life, his name is Christian Alm- Almasberger, uh, really prolific camera assistant here in the United States yeah. around huge films such as Grand Budapest Hotel uh, wow. Cloud Atlas yeah another t- Tom Twiker film exactly maybe that's the connection Unknown with Liam Neeson Ninja Assassin like all these big films and then he goes over to Kenya and uh, yeah goes over with Tom I'm sure and is more of a supervising DP for there I mean I think there are five total guys in the in the cinematographer yeah. section there so it's pretty cool but anyway, I mean, yeah, this is this is great stuff. It's interesting. I'm yeah. interested in it. So yeah, I, I love cool. hearing about other countries. By the way, the film I was referencing with uh, Twiker, which by the way he was filming, um, he did a couple episodes of Since Eight. A couple of those episodes were shot in Kenya. Yeah, uh, and then he's working on a film right now, due out in 2016, called A Hologram for the King. Ooh, 
which looks pretty interesting. A failed American businessman uh, looks to recoup his losses by traveling to Saudi Arabia and selling his idea to a wealthy monarch. Nice. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Uh, I've always liked him. I, I loved Run, Lola, Run. It was a foundational film for me. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so anyway, a lot going on in Kenya. Cheers to our Kenyans. Cheers to the filmmakers. Cheers. Cheers to Changa. Yep, absolutely. Let's take another love sip to see, for our uh, friends. Love to see what comes next, guys. All right. And hopefully soon, yeah, hopefully soon enough we'll see a lot more Kenyan filmmakers in the award season. Yes. But for now, this award season is all about one film, from what I can tell, my friend, and I saw it last night. Yep, and what'd you think? And the Revenant. It? The Revenant. Wow. Piece of crap, right? <laughs> so <laughs> It's fantastic. Let's go ahead and yeah. mention it won Best Picture at the Globes. Yep. Golden Globes. Yep. Um, it won Best, Best Director at the Golden Globes. Yep. And it won, and Best, it won Actor Best Actor in Leo at the Golden DiCaprio. Globes. So I had to go because you went a couple nights ago. Did. So I literally went last night knowing we had the show. Yeah. Well, you were you were you told me you were going and I yeah. texted you and I said, Let me know as soon as you're done. Oh my god. I gosh. want your immediate response and do, you get, do you got it? What did I, I do? Say? Dude, it's what was my initial here, response? Let me pull it up on the uh, We won't even make this stuff. We're gonna give you the real yeah. true life of Alex and Brandon's friendship. Exactly. So let me pull it up on you my You thought own. we just got together for a podcast. Yeah. Come on, people. Here we go. Put on my, my good old iPhone 6S, uh, yeah. manufactured by Apple. Here we go. There you go, Apple. Feel free to give us, <laughs> give us some money, Apple. Uh, here you go. So the first thing you said was, wow, my mind is blown. That is a true story. Yep. And then I can't say what you said next because it gives <laughs> a few things away. I uh, can't say that. Can't yeah. say that. Tom Hardy, Oscar. Yep. Uh, yeah, these, are all, these are all Cinematography, director, Leo. Yeah. Yeah, this is my text stream. Yeah, it's stream of thought. It's open. Yeah, mind. so this film is is yeah. beautiful. The whole thing was filmed in Chile. Uh, no, Major parts filmed, of it. No, uh, the last section. So here's here's some interesting stuff on the film. It was filmed in script order. So start to finish, they wanted to get the actual transformation of these characters through the lens, the like journey. Yeah, as they got cold and wrinkled and weathered and beat down and all that crap. They you they wanted the audience to feel that. So and I think it worked. Um but most of it was filmed in Alberta. Okay. Uh, yeah, up in Canada. North. So, British Columbia. Yeah. Our Canadian listeners. There are actually our Canada's our second largest listenership. Yeah. To the they United make some States. Great films as well. Yeah. Uh but yeah, this was filmed, you know, dead of winter, uh up in what uh Alberta, Vancouver, like up up wow. way up there. Um yeah, and it, it comes across on screen. But then the ending portion, since the spring was coming, the snows were melting, they needed to find an alternate location for the end right. sequence. And they went down to uh, the end of like Chile, Argentina area. And I think we can talk about that section without giving it away. It's not really yeah plot plot sensitive. No, we just at, can't. At give some away point, a, there's a, a few things that happen. At some yeah. point, there's an avalanche. Yes, and this is one thing that we brought up. So there's an avalanche in the film, which I assumed nowadays was completely CG. Yeah. And it turns out it was not. So what you read was what? How did they do it? What I read was that it was perfectly choreographed and expertly timed to where uh, a helicopter dropped a bundle of dynamite onto this mountain. And when uh, Leo hears the sound, he turns, looks up towards the avalanche. You know, the camera turns with him to capture this great image, this great vista, uh, and he reacts to it, like, in real time. So it's pretty yeah. crazy. But he had to turn at the right moment, and they had to drop it at the right moment. It was a avalanche. They created an avalanche. Let that simmer in your minds, filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's when awesome. you watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's easy. It's CG. Yeah. But no, it's real. So let's just talk a little bit about a couple attributes. Huge film. Well, I think very, that's a huge theme is that yeah. it's real. It's all real. Yeah. Very big landscapes. The whole thing is basically filmed exterior. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing is basically one giant landscape with figures in the foreground. Yeah. What did they use? What did they shoot it on? What were the lenses? Talk about it. Because it, it has a distinct style. We don't want to give it away. We For don't sure. want to ruin your experience. But no. let's just... Talk a little bit about that. What do you know about what was it shot on? What kind of lenses to give this bigger than life, right in your face feel? 
so I read a blog here. I'm going to pull this up real quick. A, it was actually an interview with the uh, camera operator. So on the film who had to work directly under Emmanuel Lubezki, who's, for anyone that doesn't know, he's won the last two Oscars for sure. Best Cinematography. And the operator, um, P. Scott Sakamoto, from the Society of Camera Operators, um, goes through this whole, in this interview, talks about all the uh, equipment and everything and working under Chivo and what it was like. So they used a combination of the Alexa XT, the Alexa M, which is a separate head and body. Small. It's, it's So nowadays we would use the Alexa Mini, but that sure. wasn't available back then. So the Alexa XT, the Alexa M, and the uh, elect, new Alexa 65, which is a large format 6K sensor. You know, you have to use digital, digital, yeah. medium format lenses. So it's all shot digitally. They actually toyed around with the idea of shooting it on film, and they started shooting it on film. But they realized it didn't have the sensitivity. There was the grain, which when you read interviews with Lebesky, he talks about how the grain gets in between the audience and the image, and it feels like a barrier. So he wanted this clean... Like you were looking through a window watching yeah. this happen, which I think it comes across. Yeah. Right? So anyway, they shot on digital uh, Alexa, and they used super wide lenses. So the equivalent for the Alexa 65 and then also for the other two systems uh, between 12 millimeter and 21 millimeter. Yeah. Super, super wide. Unbelievable. Yeah. And there's there's some shots in the forest that even like feel a little, I don't want to say GoPro, but got a little bow, a little fisheye. Yeah, well, when you're not dramatically, but it's it's pretty noticeable. An, but it's it's also, but I think it it doesn't hurt. Like it's kind of no. it makes it more of this ominous place of like yeah. despair and. That's one thing that you know. uh, Sakamoto uh, was saying was that uh, in with the wider lenses, the um, motion is is accentuated greatly. So they had mm-hmm. to do these really slow panning from, you know, perfectly composed portrait of Leo in a vista to up to the sky to this flock of birds or whatever, and then down to a ravine or another yeah. perfectly composed image. But, but with they the, had to do it slow. And with those lenses, like, there's a lot of tights in this movie. Maybe even extreme close-ups in this movie. Uh, they had to be right up on them, right? Like, that camera is in... Yes. Your face. And, and this is not giving anything away because it's in the trailers and stuff, but there are moments when it's so close that the actor's breath is fogging up the lens. Yes. You are in the moment. And they did that for a very specific reason, for immersion. You know, but it's, yeah, they're right there. You're on a 12 mil, like shooting a Vista, and then you cram Leonardo's face I mean, they're in the what, right side. a foot away from his face? If that. I mean, his breath's fogging it up. It's like crazy. inches, yeah. you know? So yes, there's a lot of distortion with the close-ups of the of the of the actors, but it, it's beautiful. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's definitely a film that you get immersed in. I would highly recommend if you're going to go. This is not a film. This is not a date night film. This is not a film where you go and drink your soda and your popcorn and it's you know sort of this poppy culture. No, no. that's for the birds. That's why you go see stupid films like Deadpool, <laughs> so that you get the one-liner. Hey. Which blah, I blah, blah, yeah. I'm Deadpool. Look at my face. Blah blah blah. blah. One liner. That's horrible. Do that another day. When you go to watch The Revenant, please respect the craft. Do not talk. Walk yeah. in in silence. <laughs> Be solemn. Order your beverage of choice. Uh-huh. Don't even get snacks. Yeah, we don't, don't want crunching. Don't, or we don't want that during the movie. Yeah. Sit down and prepare yourself for a thing of beauty. It's, I mean, when you talk about film as art, like this is as close as you get in my, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, this it's, is, this is, this is awesome. It's beautiful. I mean, it's got attributes of like this, you know, relics of like the seven samurai. It's bigger than life in a lot of ways. There's dream I mean, sequences. There's yeah. all sorts of stuff, but just the realism that comes across and the, the perfectly choreographed, really long takes. You know, we're five, six, seven minutes yeah. of just this swooping, swishing, following camera as you're in battles or you're trekking through wilderness or you're, yeah. you know, fighting a bear. Whatever you're, they're doing in the movie, you're right there. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So if this thing, and like I was t- talking to you last night, so the Oscar, you know, for cinematography or any award for cinematography, the art of cinematography, mm-hmm. using the camera and the image in perfect combination with the story, yeah, you know, to to 
bring the audience into that world. It's not, hey, look at me, this is flashy, whatever. It's how can I best utilize the visuals to help the story along? Yeah. And this is like the epitome of that. You know? Yeah. Natural light. We're not, eh, let's put it, it was back awesome. here. Yeah. Like I gotta say, I mean, we're talking about this because it's awesome. Yeah. And so if you haven't seen it, you highly, gotta see it. Highly recommend it's it. It's gonna win Best Picture, no doubt about it. Yeah. I'll be, I will, there will be a whole episode where I rant if it doesn't get Best Picture. Dude, yeah. It's really good. And there's been a lot of good films this year. Like have. ones I've loved. Well, speaking of that. Love Straight Outta Compton. Love Sicario. Yep. Loved, you know. And this may be a, a good transition here because it's in the same vein, yeah. but also extremely different. Not same vein, you know, the execution wise, but elements of the story is in terms of winner, old timey. Tarantino. Boom. Tarantino. Yeah, The Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. Right? You're right. It's In a lot of ways, it's the same film. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you go that no. far. I think the Tron guys get into your head. Yeah, there. there's a yeah, there's a there's there's like early settler types. Mm-hmm. There's an exterior and an interior. The it's interior in the is a log cabin. Yep. It's like, you know, the main difference is the hateful eight predominantly takes place inside. Yeah, and is eighty percent dialogue, mm-hmm. and the revenant takes place almost entirely outside mm-hmm. and is about 20% dialogue. That's what's, uh, that was one of the things I was going to read in your text stream was that you were so impressed with. Uh, you said Hateful Eight, uh, Revenant, whatever you were comparing, you said completely different films, show, don't tell. Yeah. You yeah. Know? The Revenant was a was a, a see, don't say film, and Tarantino is always the opposite. Yeah. He's a say, talk, 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 don't talk, talk. see. Yep. Um, but two master craftsmen, I mean, in, yeah. term, in very different areas. So writing of The Hateful Eight is brilliant. I mean, some of the best dialogue out there, in my opinion. Yeah. If you want to invest six hours of your life in an amazing experience, mm-hmm. go see The Hateful Eight and The Revenant back-to-back. Back-to-back. <laughs> Can you imagine? Make sure that you have like a, a bedpan <laughs> or something underneath your chair because your bladder will pop. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, they're both basically three hours long. Yeah. Each one. Uh, but they're worth it. But yeah, hatefully, so completely different. Um, kind of comic-y, action-packed, very violent. Uh, all takes place in a cabin. Some big names. It's good though. It is. It's really good. It's that's another good. one that's up for best cinematography is uh, Robert Richardson for yeah. hatefully. Yeah. Well, and you know what I think too that I mean we just. There's not going to be enough time to really to tackle down the Oscar nominations. Maybe we'll no. do that next week. Man, I think we just mentioned these two. Yeah. And then, yeah. But, I mean, next week we can really kind of dig in a little more on Oscar noms. Um, yeah. But I will say— um, Maybe do some predictions. To, yeah, to hint on the on the Globes, the Golden mm. Globes. So you had Revenant was Best Picture. We mentioned some of that stuff. Um, yeah. The one that I really got excited about was— um, uh, what's her name? The girl who was in uh, United States of Terra won Best Actress for The Room. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that film looks awesome. Which yeah, and I was so excited for her. I don't. It, that's not out yet, right? Uh yeah yeah, yeah I think so. It you is rented. I think it might have been limited release or yeah. something. Yeah, it looks really really good. Yeah, so, so spent her whole life basically her child's whole life. Yeah, she was up. kidnapped or whatever. Yeah, and, and then she they has a child. Out. Yeah, and in she the room. raises the child who spent his whole life in the room. Who knows nothing outside of that? Nothing. Yeah, pretty crazy. Wow. Uh, yeah, I want to see that really bad. Uh, of course, some Carol. Ones, yeah, of course, Carol. Carol, which was filmed here in Cincinnati, yes. and a major player to bring that film here is going to be on the podcast the first week in February. Yeah, Kristen, Kristen Irwin uh, from uh, the Film Commission. From yeah. the Film Commission. So, yeah, so that'll be cool. We can talk to her. Oh about yeah, that. she can. She can really ramp up on Carol and let us know about that experience, and yeah. maybe even give us a little teaser about what's what's to come. The next film coming to town. For sure. I mean, that could be a huge boost. Uh, it, I mean, just the fact that it's nominated, it's, yeah. it's a huge, something that the, the crew that worked on it here should be very, very proud of. Very proud. That the visual and, aspect of the film yeah. is so highly regarded. And, you know, that's one thing that I'd like to do a whole episode on with, yeah. with crew is I don't think they get a lot of credit. Uh, these guys the technicians. are busting their butts. Yeah. They're the ones who you couldn't make this film without. No. And- you know, yeah. very little do they do they get the credit deserved and or the 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 perks or the hospitality that they should get. Very little, which is you know I'm going to go back to the revenant here for a second, which is why you have such uh, you had such turnover 
on that movie. If yeah. you don't know the stories, there were a lot of crew not members. Not only that, turnover, but there was some turmoil, right? Turmoil. I mean, just people that couldn't deal with the elements or the, you know, didn't feel the need to go to such extremes for the artistic vision that ended up being fired or left or. Or to play devil's advocate, yeah. they felt like they were being taken advantage of in the workplace. Maybe. And yeah, and, I guess. I don't know. And so, therefore, the un- maybe the union spoke up, or some people said, "Hey, you know, yeah. you got to treat us fairly." Um, but Alejandro at the Golden Globes yeah. mentioned it was a, a tough shoot, and he said uh, something that I'll never forget: "Say it, pain is temporary, films are forever." Exactly. So in, I don't know. In the end, I mean, yes. So there's two sides to it. Yeah, this is a job. Uh, and you're in this to, you know, make a living and hopefully be safe along the way, but also it's an art form. And so, yes, people go to extremes to really make something special. Yeah. You know, but sometimes people forget that and they just look at the dollar amount or, you know, whatever, spreadsheets and facts and figures and they, they kind of forget. Yeah. So anyway, he's, films like this are there to remind us that, uh, you know, cool things are possible. We just have to sacrifice a little bit. Yeah, man. Yeah. Anyway, hey, one last thing before we before we wrap it up. Uh, one more similarity and difference between Revenant and Hateful Eight. Both large format camera systems. True. And I'm sure everybody's heard the stories of Hateful Eight filmed on 70 millimeter film and right. all that stuff. Uh, all I can say <laughs> for the film versus digital debate <laughs> is like you said, go yeah. watch them back to back and tell me which one's going to win. Yeah, I mean... To me, there's no doubt about it. The cin- cinematography, the look, the overall feeling, hands down, in my opinion, the Revenant takes the cake. Yeah. But again, I mean, different visions, different yeah. stories, different everything. It's, when you look at The Hateful Eight, it's gorgeous. There's, there's It's a whole different style, though. It's hard backlight. It's the typical Robert Richardson, Tarantino deal. So, I don't know. You know, it's going to be a tough race, but I think there's there's a lot of good films made this season, and it's, it's going to be a nice awards season, nice awards ceremony. Yes, it will be. All right? It should be good. So, and we'll be bringing it all to you right here from fdbpodcast.com, mm-hmm. at fdbpodcast on Twitter, and at fdbpodcast on Instagram. On Instagram. So, uh, follow us, link to us. Yep. We'd love for you to go out to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. We are Review. two ratings away from being- Five stars. A fifth, rated by 50. Right now we have 48 ratings. Yeah. We've got over 20, almost 30 reviews. Yeah, I know. So, so yeah, give us a written review. Give us some review. Nice to say, you know. Give us the rating. We really, really appreciate that. That for helps sure. us out. And um, we're bringing you great content. And next week- you're going to get to learn about a whole nother land of mystery. Yeah. We've already talked about it. The Philippines. Philippines. Yep. Yeah. Going to be interesting. So we've got some digging to do. Uh, we got work. we got work to do. got some homework. But for now, don't forget to use the hashtag Team Kenya. Team Kenya. Let's get that thing trending. FTB yeah. Podcast, Team Kenya. Team Kenya. Uh, what a great show. Here's to yeah. Ch- Chunga. Chunga. And our to friend Kennedy. Kennedy. And uh, all of our friends down at the Riverwood Film District. Absolutely. Um this is great. Looking forward to what's to come. Cheers. This podcast was recorded live at Sound Images Studio. Find out more at soundimages.com.